This is the After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. Friday, Here it Kim is. McAllister. Friday on the After Party Live. Woohoo! How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Not bad. A little thanks sleepy for... today. Are you? Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on with the Friday Fabulous Florida. That was a good one. Yeah, somebody in the comments pointed out that I looked sleepy, and then I'm like, you know what? I looked in the mirror, I'm like, I do look sleepy. I don't think you look sleepy. So, I, Well, I ran up and down the stairs a bunch of times. Oh. Come on, get it together. <laughs> snap, snap, let's move it, let's move it. If you're just joining us on the After Party Live, click like and subscribe, as they say. Thank please. you for clicking the thumbs up button. Please, please like and thank us. you. Please like us, please. Please click subscribe. Thank you for being with us on this Friday. We're going to have some fun, fun, fun. Um this afternoon i did you hear that new beatles song i heard the first part of it and i mean if i guess this is a honest review i was gonna go back to it but it was so slow kind of mm -hmm. boring that i wasn't motivated to actually go back and listen to the rest of it oh i so liked it a lot really? i thought it was really good nick when Nikki played also, it on her show we're getting dinged for playing these things so we i can't also do it. make like snap yeah. judgments like mm -hmm. uh that are totally wrong. Like I'll not like a song and then all of a sudden it goes to number one. I'm like, well, apparently somebody likes it. Um, but that listened, was my initial reaction. I listened to the whole thing. Yeah. And as I was working on the shows, I just kind of heard, was listening to it in the background yeah. and it felt almost like voices from the past reaching out. I could see how that song would have affected the generation. It would have become part of their, you know, memories and everything. It just kind of, it felt like a gift from the past. Well, wasn't me. it part like AI? Like, didn't they add in yeah. current so numbers? So it was John Lennon singing the song and he'd originally. written it. And originally it was him like messing around on the microphones. So you could hear the right. TV in the background and he was just singing it. So oh, they wow. had to isolate his vocals and then they took, they went back and they got, um, I guess, drum solos from Ringo Starr and they got... Uh, bass and piano from Paul McCartney, and I don't know. They got something from every Beatle. Did they Paul sing? Uh, I don't think so. I, he does, but not on this song. Not on. Well, I know I he sings. Yeah, but not. I don't you. think Thank I didn't you, hear his voice. I Thank only you heard you welcome. Well, <laughs> Paul McCartney yeah, he, sings. He does sing, but I didn't hear him on this song. So, but I thought it was good. I would. I think it's worth a listen. I don't know. What do you guys in the chat think? I I'm biased against slow songs, so I'll probably have to go back and listen to it again. Uh, Ricky says not appealing. They're trying too hard. Doug yeah. says it was great. So it was okay, great. that's you loved good. It. Um, not interested in the faux Beatles, he said. But it's not faux Beatles. It's the real Beatles. But it's faux collaboration. I guess that's true. I don't know. Uh, Lori says she agrees with you, John, that she you were um, going to find it and listen. Oh, never did. <laughs> Guess not that interested in it. Karen says, yeah, it's all real elements from the real Beatles. So right. it's just manipulated. It's yeah, like the, uh, the, on the fence on it. computer uh, equivalent of like auto tune for someone's voice. Like they put it all together. They glued it all together. They did. I kind of liked it. I don't know. I'm just saying. Um, that's called Now and Then, if you want to search for it and listen to it. But do it after the After Party Live, not not during the show, right? Because we Thank have you. to talk about animals. We're doing oh, Kevin Bacon. Gonna... Oh, not Kevin... our Kevin Bacon, the actor, Kevin Bacon, the pig. A different Kevin Bacon. Uh, A different Kevin at, Bacon. Look at this cutie. That's Kevin Bacon. Look at, there he is. Kevin Bacon 
was captured with a sticky bun filled with Benadryl. That's how they got him. After he was on the run for 18 days. Kevin Bacon. He broke free. They say he got a little footloose. Get it? That's a great picture. (laughs) That's a totally great picture. There he is on the run. Yes, in action. It took, after 18 days, uh, it took the sticky bun filled with Benadryl to capture him. Uh, he, they call him elusive. He gained national attention, although this is the first time I'm seeing Kevin Bacon. The, uh, even Kevin Bacon, the actor, got in on the action posting over the weekend, bring Kevin Bacon home. How do you remain elusive with that stature? <laughs> I know, it's true. The pig's owners have now reinforced his pen with concrete below the ground so that he can't dig his way out again. So oh, Kevin Bacon... Kevin is home and hopefully home he's to stuck stay. in guantanamo and he just wants to forge <laughs> did they say if he was like hiding out in those woods i don't know they didn't say where he they said he had been elusive he was 18 days running around i don't know where but the reporters went. did try to track him down oh look at this oh how funny well now they're interviewing him in his new pen yeah so <laughs> i'm funny. sure he's not happy no Mm-mm. oh poor kevin bacon that's all right kevin bacon's back where he belongs you know uh, this next story is, I don't know, these these um, old classic photo or classic paintings always crack me up. Right. The, a lost demon has been uncovered in Joshua Reynolds painting. Ew, he's, Look he looks this. like Gollum. Yeah. A devilish My figure that precious. disappeared from a celebrated and controversial 18th century <laughs> painting for decades has been rediscovered in a recent restoration. My Sir precious. Joshua Reynolds painted a demon lurking in the shadows of his picture, The Death of Cardinal Beaufort. Uh, based on the Shakespearean death scene. But the fiend eventually disappeared beneath layers of paint and varnish. Oh, wow. Yeah, the 1789 artwork has now been put back on display at Petsworth House in West Sussex with the demon in full view. Check I don't know out. how I feel about that. This because is what it the, looked like. If the, uh, if the painter, if the artist didn't want the, you know, had second thoughts and didn't want the the demon there, then why did we bring the demon back? Or maybe the demon was always there. Mm, you could kind of see a little face in the background, like well, a clown saying, face. This is the uh, this is this is the covered up version, right? Mm-hmm. And so when they revealed it, yeah, there he is. Hey guys, what do you think about changing the intent of the artist? There's the uh, f- f- uh, full full scene. What can you tell us about the scene? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think it's interesting. I I mean, it was on display for so long, like this. Yeah. I mean, if it really was there and they were doing a restoration, I mean, you know, I, I they didn't intentionally uncover it. Right. So maybe he meant for it to be like a surprise, like a little advent calendar of uh, surprise! of a de- demonology. The fang creature can be seen at the head of the bed in the shadows as Cardinal uh, Beaufort lies dying with Ken, uh, King Henry VI and two lords at his bedside. Yeah, pretty in- intense. It's based on the scene in Shakespeare's Henry VI, Part Two, mm-hmm. and depicts the power-hungry and conspiring cardinal in the final throes of death. I One... think it's definitely more interesting and talks about, you know, maybe where the person's going in the afterlife or who they were in life. It makes the story more interesting and the painting, too. Yeah, they're saying here that the fiend's inclusion in the picture stirred controversy at the time it was created because some thought Sir Joshua, considered one of the greatest painters of his age, should not have explicitly shown an imaginary creature. One critic described it as too ludicrous and puerile uh, to escape censure, while another said it does no credit to the judgment of the painter. So it was controversial. Yeah, Karen says it was always there, just obscured over time by dirt. It was supposed to be there. I don't think so. I think it was varnished over. Yeah, I think the painter painted over it and didn't want it there. And now 
it's been restored, the varnish removed, and now the artist's intent has been changed. Yeah, it eventually so, disappeared under beneath layers of paint and varnish. They don't specify, mm-hmm. but I imagine he he covered it up. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, I thought that was that was interesting. It's a cool um, picture. I could look at that for a while. Ooh, it yeah. does look like. Can you do your voice, my precious, with your um your thing just for me on this Friday? My precious. No. <laughs> my precious. No. My precious. Yeah, that's better. A little better. I need to find yeah. a new one. Anyone yeah. in between? Because this is a little too deep. Oh, this is the yeah, that's thinking. a little too demon. Mm-mm. Hey, everybody, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go back to the Bay Area. Let's leave the demon behind, and off we go to oh, the yo, pink. Sayonara, suckers. Sayonara to you, Satan. Uh, let's go to the pink ponds. Sorry for popping that pee. The pink ponds of the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah, we've covered this before. What happens in uh, Alviso Marina County Park in the South Bay is there's kind of this seasonal phenomenon where the salt ponds turn bright pink, right? Right. Um, It happens, they say, because microorganisms live in this certain pond. It's not always pink. Right. That it's the salt harvest, right? We it's the about salt harvest. Yeah. yeah. It it um it attracts several species of birds. It creates coastal levees that help restore uh, tidal marsh habitats. There's a lot going on here, and as it turns saltier, it turns pinker. I've flown over this doing traffic for KGO in the sky, and it's always so cool to look at from the sky. Was it traffic on the eights? It was indeed traffic on the eights. It is before no before it was traffic on the eights. It was it wasn't mm-hmm. it traffic on the ones. Mm, I remember it was like ones? traffic on the ones, and then KCBS had like traffic on the fours, and then right, and then, and then, then we were wanted like, to the two beat stations them. were like jockeying back and yeah. forth, and then right. uh, they picked the eights. And the funny thing is, and then KCBS matched it with traffic on the eights, right? Yeah, which is funny. Yeah. It is funny. Uh, Anyway, now there's only one competitor in that marketplace, and we no longer have to worry about the eights. However, we do have to worry about the pink salt ponds because it turns out the TikToker, Instagram influencers are going out to the salt ponds in full force, and they are now asking visitors, don't get too close. Oh, thank you, Kim. Yes, traffic on the fives. Um, The agency is posting on Facebook asking visitors, take your photos of pond a12 which is what this is called from a distance to keep you and the wildlife safe stay on the alvisa slough trail to take your pictures take them from the trail don't take them from the pond that's not what's happening though people are getting right up on the beach i watched a video associated with this story where this woman is walking right at the edge of the pink water and it's kind of sloshing up on shore like kind of like bloody waves and She's talking about, oh, look at the pink pond. And then the, there's been a big increase in the number of visitors going off trail. Was that your impression of the mockingbird? They put up more signs to make it clear to people these are a protected bird species, migratory birds. This area is off limits. Stay away from the pink pond. They know it's a cool photo op. Take your pictures from a distance. So there. Ooh, look at the pink pond. Look at the pink water. <laughs> uh, from pink uh, ponds to bats. Ooh. A bat infestation turned an Airbnb rental into a house of horrors. A oh, horrors. No. A- according to a claim here. A- a what did you say? Of a, house of hor- a house of horrors? Horrors. Horrors. Uh-oh. Horrors. <laughs> 
still waking up. A group of Airbnb guests have claimed that their joyful 50th high school reunion party at a rental property in Michigan uh, turned into a Halloween horror movie when they were attacked by a horde of bats. The distressed renters like have the filed... bats actually flew down and bit them. Well, let's let's get into it here. The distressed mm-hmm. renters have filed a civil complaint against Airbnb for having negligently allowed the bat-infested home to be advertised on the platform. The lawsuit also names as defendants the owners of the bat-riddled property in the city of Alpena, uh, nicknamed the Castle, and maintenance workers accusing them of failing to ensure the residence was safe before it was put up for rent. Uh, what was supposed mm-hmm. to be a fun vacation turned into a house of horror. For my clients, no one expects, this is the attorney, obviously, no one expects <laughs> to be attacked by a horde of bats. This played out like a scene from a Halloween horror movie. And here's a, here's a close-up. <laughs> hey, buddies. What's going on? So they rent this place. First of all, so they do this in, they call this up north, right? In Michigan. And they, they do it for a 50th high school graduation party i thought you weren't supposed to be able to rent out airbnbs for parties maybe in michigan it's well, it was a high school reunion i i don't think that's really i mean that's this, it a sounds party like this is a, a large well they must have a exception yeah maybe if you're uh if you're old enough to rent a, a, a rental you car. can't share your space with bats what's wrong with that the plaintiffs rented the house through airbnb in late july uh, and for the first three days everything was fine Right. But then on the third <laughs> night, which fell on July 26th, two of the guests staying on the in the large third night, everything turret went room, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> two of the guests staying in the large turret room were awakened by screeching sounds to find a dark shape flying about the bedroom. The women fled the room in terror to the hallway and slammed the door shut behind them. Initially, the renters believed it was just one stray bat that had somehow ended up in their bedroom, and they laughed off the spooky encounter. But they were soon horrified to discover an entire colony of Michigan brown bats. Oh, those oh, are the Oh, look at that. Yeah. Filling the hallway. The women tried to run out of the house, but found the stairwell consumed by bats. Having their escape cut off, the renters ran back to the bedrooms and barricaded inside using window sashes, pillows, and towels to cover the doors. But despite their best efforts, the bats were still able to invade the rooms through gaps in the baseboards. Oh, oh my God. That is, is this, a total... This is starting to sound like the the birds. It's a movie. Hitch, this oh, is Hitchcock's The Birds, but with God. bats. Um, some of the women were struck by flying bats. Others had airborne mammals entangled in their hair. And at oh, least no! one guest suffered bites. Uh, unable to escape, the women tried to find refuge from the winged intruders by clean, climbing be- beneath the covers. But the bats <laughs> managed to burrow their way into the bedding. It was not until the sun rose that the nocturnal animals finally retreated back to their hiding place. Wait, so they they hid, they stayed there? Oh, I, I don't think I would stay there if the, the bats are biting Why you. Why were the bats trying to... You mean, you would think the bats would don't want to be with you as much as you don't want to be with them. They're but looking they, for blood. They were, they were coming in and in the sheets and in the hair and in the everything. Uh, an exterminator who was swiftly called to the house, uh, well, apparently not fast enough, found the attic coated with inches upon inches of bat guano. So it's like they know. They know. How do you not know? There's inches of yeah. bat guano. And the walls of the basement uh, were dripping with bat urine, suggesting that the massive bat colony uh, has called the castle home for several years. The unfortunate Gross. renters were then instructed to get vaccinated against rabies as a precaution. Oh, God. Air- Airbnb didn't immediately respond to a request for comment for some reason. That I heard that that rabies shots are painful, right? Oh, I'm sure. And the, and there's a series of them. You don't just get one; like you have to have a whole battery of them. See, I was on the side of Airbnb on that one until that you just described the actual. At- that's a serious attack. That's a bad attack. Yeah, but I mean, the reality is, Airbnb has deep pockets. But I'm sure that the people the people who are renting it are the ones who know. 
Airbnb is not like doing inspections. Yeah, the homeowner. Right. Yeah. This is one of the problems with that business model. It's like they're not really responsible for anything, but they have insurance. So, you know, I guess that's what the insurance is for. But people, I mean, obviously these employers are going after Airbnb for a reason, right? That's totally going to be a movie. You know it's going to be a screenplay. (laughs) Somebody right now is writing it as we speak. Speaking of a nightmare, you know, we've been talking a lot about AI on this show. Yeah. We finally have now a multinational declaration. The United Kingdom, the United States, the European Union, and China have signed a declaration of China, have signed a declaration of AI's catastrophic danger. They all agree, all these countries, that artificial intelligence poses a potentially catastrophic risk to humanity. It's the first international declaration uh, concerning emerging technologies and AI. They, They were at the AI Safety Summit. 28 governments signed on to the so-called Bletchley Declaration on the very first day of the AI Safety Summit. It was hosted by the British government. The country is agreeing to work together on AI safety research, even with signs that the United States and the United Kingdom are competing to take the lead over developing new regulations here. Uh, The Rishi Sunak, leader of the UK, calling it quite incredible. He said, we owe it to them to ensure AI develops in a safe, responsible way, uh, gripping the risks it poses early enough in the process. So I just thought that was really interesting that for the first time, there are now countries agreeing that they don't need to just look independently at this, but collectively around the risks and around the frontier of, of artificial intelligence, that we need to look at this as a world together because it's going to affect the world, not just one country. Especially so. if Richie Sunak was using ChatGPT to write a speech. That's where you get in trouble, right? <laughs> Busted. <laughs> yep. The AI takes over. Um, this yeah. story is interesting uh, for the technological aspect, but a migrant, you know, we're always, uh, if you're tuned into Fox, you're constantly mm-hmm. reminded about the migrant caravans headed north uh, to the U.S. border. But here, what's what I found interesting is you have um, an increase among Chinese um, uh immigrants. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you usually think about South Americans, Central Americans, Mexicans trying to come into the country. But this 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 story is, involves Chinese uh, immigrants trying to get into the country. And within 24 hours, the, the, the number of Chinese people trying to get into the U.S. was swelling. So it went from 1,000 people to 7,000 people. And the reason why they're saying are short videos that are showing up on TikTok and messaging apps to make this uh, particular route popular. So this is Panama's Darien Gap jungle. Um, so it's, it's, it's basically on TikTok, they're telling Chinese people how to get through Panama, how to get up through the United States and how to get into the country. Um, so, you know, I just, technology never ceases to amaze, Kim. Yep. You know? Yeah. I, hey, if, you know, if you're looking for a route, you can find everything on the internet. It's yeah. all out there. So you can turn to TikTok and get step-by-step guidance on how to get to through Panama's uh, step-by-step migration jungle. guidance, step-by-step bomb yeah. making guidance. I mean, you name it, yeah. you got it. The internet is not always the best place in it's the world. It's pretty, but... pretty sad. Like what what these people yeah. have to get through. Here's a picture. I think this is the jungle. Can you imagine wanting to get out of your home country enough that you would brave this type of dangerous adventure to get somewhere right. with your children? Yeah. 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 Pretty sad, but uh, technology again mm. used for all different purposes. Let's move to the story about 
drive it's supposed supposed to be drive by art not drive over art but the, sadly that's what happened so this, this is, is in the los angeles side? area yeah oh, it's on the 170 freeway right off the side you can see they have the art the sculptures that were there colorful sculptures there were three of them right along 170 in north hollywood but, presumably installed legally like with caltrans yeah legal? yes as a matter of fact it was all legal they were supposed to be there it was called drive by art it was unveiled in 1992 in 2021, they did a $14,000 refurbishment of this. It's an art installation right off the freeway. It's it has it's supposed to be there. It's not just randomly stuck there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so now they're raising money to restore it because somebody took the drive-by art to drive-over art and smacked into it. Uh, there was a collision, and nobody was present for it, so nobody knows who hit it. But the vehicle that caused the damage... Uh, the identity of the driver not known, but footage shows the pieces of sculptures strewn around where they once stood near 170 Freeway Sherman Way exit. Somebody totally jacked up the freeway art. I don't really love the art. I know beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So I don't know if raising thousands of dollars to put that back up is like, but now you I know, noticed one of them has red and one has blue. I wonder if this is a gang. If this was no. the Bloods versus the Crips, no, 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 no. This is not a. This is not gang art. Mm -mm. They're colorful sculptures. Always. I'm looking just to saying. Be it looks like a drive-by to me. No, it was a drive-over. Is what it was. <laughs> drive-over. Did you know that there's been new research in space where mice embryos were on the International Space Station? They successfully. Uh, fertilized mice embryos. This is pretty uh, interesting. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> oh, look at it. Sex in space. So the headline here is humans could breed in space after ISS, International Space Station. Boffins grow embryo for the first time. Do you know what a boffin is? No. What is it? I had to Google that. A boffin, B-O-F-F-I-N-S. Boffin is a British term referring to a person engaged in scientific or technical research. Oh, a boffin. So it's like, yeah. So it's like a British term for a a Researcher. very successful nerd. <laughs> Are you a boffin? A boffin? Yes, I work as a boffin. Boffins mm -hmm. on the International Space Station, led by <laughs> the University... They're boffin on the space station is what they're doing. <laughs> Apparently, they want to. <laughs> led by University of Yamanashi and National Research Institute Riken, have managed to grow a mouse embryo high up in space. Humans could soon be able to breed in space, according to this new study from the study people. That's as right. As thoughts turn to whether or not humans could one day populate other planets after leaving our own, the question inevitably turns to how humans could raise a child in space. And now this new study involving growing a mouse embryo on the International Space Station has potentially answered that question once and for all. Uh, it's the world's first experiment that cultured early stage mammalian embryos under complete microgravity of the International Space Station. Having successfully grown the embryo, it is now uh, thought that a human embryo could be able to survive in space. So that's the latest from the uh, the study people. So they it's interesting to me, were they worried about because of the whole lack of gravity thing that maybe the embryo would be bouncing around the uterus and couldn't attach? Like, what was the thought that why wouldn't you think it would be okay? I imagine it has to do with whether or not if certain things grow, you know, you know, mm -hmm. they're always doing experiments to see whether or not plants Sorry. will grow. And I know you're not a boffin, but I have questions. Well, remember, we, we, you can't have questions. 
Oh, right. No we questions just, that I'm not prepared to answer. It. Exactly. No, but I mean, in generally speaking, <laughs> the reason, the whole reason why they do these experiments is because uh, yeah. you're dealing with a different environment, right? So you right. don't have the gravity and yeah. uh, certain biological uh, functions and processes, protocols sure. and standards, uh, <laughs> you know, are impacted by that lack of gravity. So that's why they're doing experiments. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, boffins. Uh, this is not an experiment, but this is a really interesting thing. Six Flags Magic Mountain in Southern California has announced a groundbreaking largest solar energy project in California. Yeah, it's going to uh, be on the ground at this new megawatt solar carport and energy storage system at Six Flags Mountain uh, Magic Mountain. They call it the largest single site commercial renewable energy project in all of California. They say they're thrilled to be breaking ground on this monumental project and taking the next steps toward a cleaner, greener future, continuing to make advancements toward improving and protecting the environment. So here's what it's going to do. It is going to uh, have the ability to produce 20.8 8 million kilowatt hours of energy annually. That's about enough energy to power 2,874 homes. It will produce kilowatt hours of energy to offset greenhouse gas energy consumption on a level comparable to removing 911 million miles worth of gas-powered vehicles from the roadway. It's going to be a 637,000 square foot carport built over the main guest parking lot and the team member parking lot, an estimated 3,544 guest parking spaces and 771 team member parking spaces will be covered. It also comes with 30 electric vehicle charging stations, added shade to keep team members and guest cars cool, increased security systems, a battery storage system that can produce about two megawatts of power with up to eight megawatt hours that can be employed daily. It is the third overall Six Flags solar installation uh, that they have done. Other properties include Six Flags Discovery Kingdom in Vallejo and Six Flags Great Adventure in New Jersey. These three sites rank as the largest volume of on-site solar systems for any United States-based organization. So there you go. Wow, what a great cool. idea. This, this reminds me of, a, do you remember KGO was one of the first radio stations to have a s solar panels installed? Do you remember when that mm -hmm. happened? Yeah. It was like in the early 2000s. So this was like when the station first had like a green conference and everybody was like, what's a green conference, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't know what that, that movement was yet. Um, but the interesting part was that PG&E made a big deal out of it. The station obviously made a big deal out of it because AM radio stations take up a, a lot of power. And the mm -hmm. KGO's transmitter is one of the least efficient in the country. It's the number two in terms of power consumption of any AM radio station in the Cumulus Corporation, um, based on the fact, the inefficiency of the building and the air conditioning being on the wrong side of the building, that kind of thing. But anyway, what's funny is they they made a big deal out of the uh, the solar panels, right? Well, what happened is over the years they didn't they didn't anticipate how corroded all the equipment would become because uh, the towers are right there on the edge of the bay by Fremont by the Dumbarton Bridge, right. and there's so much corrosion from the salt water, you know. Uh, in that tidal, you know, marshland, yeah. that the equipment just deteriorated and basically oh, fell apart no. and, and and ended up in disrepair. And of course, they mm -hmm. didn't want to spend the money to fix it. Um, of course not. <laughs> the people who bought it didn't want to fix it. But anyway, I thought that was well, interesting because they, you know, uh, these these solar panels that uh, they make a, they they 
they obviously provide a lot of power and it's a great idea. You just got to be careful about where you install them. Well, I think this is a great place to put them because I don't know if you've been to Magic Mountain, but it's kind of right near Saugus and it's very desert-like and hot right Saugus? off of I-5. S-A-U-G-U-S, Saugus is the name of the uh, nearby town. Oh, I but thought it's it was Valencia. Or right near there too, yes. Oh, okay. Very, very, and the whole very hot, you know, not a lot of, as you say, salt water to degrade. I think right. it's a perfect spot. So, yeah. Very good. Looks, and now looks I learned good. about Saugus. Saugus. With August. Saugus. Um, the steady people are back, and I know this one's going to frustrate you. Are you ready for uh -oh. this? Yeah. Okay. Taking multivitamins may increase cancer risk by 30%. What, what doesn't increase cancer risk? <clears throat> I mean, breathing increases my cancer risk. But multivitamins right? are like, oh, I want to supplement my vitamins. I want to do the right thing, right? Multivitamins could increase your risk of cancer by as much as 30% and should carry a health warning. Now, this is according to a a doctor from a British charity, okay? So this is one doctor. And now this mm -hmm. is a controversial suggestion. So this is, um, th they say here that the this goes against the widely held belief that taking multivitamins could help boost your health by ensuring people receive adequate amounts of vitamins and minerals every day, of course. As a result, Dr. Mohammed Manib Khan from the U UK's Killing Cancer Kindly charity says that multivitamin products should include labels with tobacco product style warnings due to the dangers tied to taking certain supplements. He's an oncologist, so he's a legit, you know, doctor. Um, he contends he's not a that boffin. So <laughs> well, no, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he is a boffin. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's done a lot of research. He contends that the supplements bombard the body with huge doses of wholly unnecessary nutrients. We know this, right? Doctor Dean Adele used to right. you know, talk about this. His family he is used to say, "Get your nutrients through eating the right things." Not yeah, his pills. family yeah. actually came from the vitamin business. Um, you know, you get like, what, 1,000, 3,000% vitamin B and you just mm -hmm. end up peeing it all out. Um, but anyway, they're saying that you get these unnecessary nutrients, which may enable cancerous cells to grow and multiply, right? Oh, so it's like you're on. supercharging the cancer cells. Natural vitamin, vitamins found in foods, meanwhile, pose no danger because they absorb slowly and the body only takes what it needs before flushing out the rest. So mm -hmm. uh, on the other hand, synthetic pills flood the bloodstream, right, with up to twice the recommended daily dosage of certain nutrients becoming a superfood for cancers, according to this doctor. So this is yet another study for you to uh, add to your list. Yeah. Uh, on... <sighs> See, a lot of people feel like they don't get enough of certain things. They're trying to do the right thing. And then you right. turn around and the boffins say, don't take the pills. Yeah. It's, it's, it's insane. Uh, but you know what? Every every time I turn around the study, people are telling me something else is going to give me cancer. Yeah, when we so, cover this uh, in KGO with Gene, when I produced Gene's show, uh, Gene and I used to joke about it. And I used to say that uh, life causes death. New study finds. It's, yeah, it's true. It's true. But I don't. <laughs> do you take multivitamins? I don't take them. I'll take one every once in a while when I feel like I haven't been eating well. Right. Right. Or, or I'll take like vitamin B if I'm feeling sluggish. Like yeah. uh, I uh, could have taken one today. Right. If I feel sleepy or I feel like I if I get the feeling that something's low, I'll take one, which I figure if I'm not taking them all the time, it's not going to have a huge impact. But right. you know, I have them lying around. want to get rid of them eventually. I took them when I was pregnant, multi-pregnancy vitamins, because right. there's a risk of, I think it's spina bifida or something else. And so you have to take as much. Right. Um, what is it? Uh, the. I forget the what's that, whatever's in broccoli. You they want you to, to have a certain number of of whatever the substance is to make sure that whatever. Is so that I took them K? then. What now? Is it vitamin A? K? No. Mm -mm. Full, folic acid. It's folic. Oh, it's folic, folic acid. acid. Oh, okay. Yeah. It does have vitamin A though. 
Um, and so, but then recently I was in CVS standing waiting to pick up a prescription for my son. And I looked over and there's these multivitamins and it says, mix your hair um, stronger. Like if your hair is falling out and my hair is falling out, it makes your hair grow stronger and um, gives you more energy and whatever. And I'm like, whatever's on the, in this pill, I'm thinking I need it. It looks good. And they're sucker. like a cool color and a cool little bottle. And I'm thinking, should I start <laughs> Got another taking sucker. a multivitamin? Like, is this something I need? And I didn't buy it. But now I'm kind of glad I didn't buy it. So yeah, Heather, folic acid. You're right. Yeah, Folate. that's how they make their money. Yeah, they Thank overcharge. You they charge you a lot of money for something mm -hmm. that probably isn't really going to do much uh, no. if you're eating relatively healthy. Should we roll on or should we take a little mini break? Let's take a little mini break. 27 okay. seconds. And uh, we'll be back here on All the right. After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience, and without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. I'll never get tired of hearing Craig say that. Doug with a $5 super sticker. Doug, you are super awesome. I hope you have the best weekend. Thank you for starting us off with a great contribution to the Thank show. You, Is this, I've not seen your name before. Ivan Mora Jr. with a $5 super sticker. Thank you guys. You always make my day. Well, you just well, made, made mine, mine Ivan. Yeah, thank you. And I love the picture there. I see your mustache. So very cool. Thank you for the two super stickers. And thank you to ongoing contributors, Pamela K and Vincent V. Pamela headed to uh, vacation and I'm trying to get her to Egypt. send us pictures. Yeah. yeah. I want her to send us pictures so we can show them while she's gone. So that's very really cool. cool. Thank very you cool. to everyone who helps us support the show um, via PayPal and via the super stickers and being here as well with us thank you guys so much for taking the um the friday afternoon one to two o'clock hour and spending thank you your for time being here. a friend thank you indeed um if you don't pay a tip to doordash you're gonna be last on the list to, to get your food did you know this Wait, what yeah they're warning customers doordash now that orders with no tips could have a longer delivery time because dashers can pick and choose what they want to deliver and which okay. orders they want to do. And are they going to pick the one that has no tip? No, they're not. So that's the one that's going to sit there waiting. Orders, orders can take longer to be accepted by dashers, and that tends to result in slower delivery. So if you don't put a tip on that DoorDash order, then prepare to wait an eternity. Door Although that's better than somebody uh, adulterating your water bottle at a luxury resort on the coast. I'll take that do they don't one thing doesn't have anything to do with the other oh because you're oh, tipping. not tipping about tipping yeah tipping joke. yeah I, just the tip <laughs> i'll take a longer wait absolutely yeah <laughs> um doordash users will only see the notification if they didn't tip their delivery driver also known as dashers once receiving the notification you can add a tip or you can t continue on without one can, customers can leave a tip when they first place the order and right. after it's delivered so the drivers are seeing this up front mm -hmm. and if it doesn't have a tip put up front not then, to be gross, but let me just keep it real. You know, a lot of these people are struggling and they're doing this yeah. you know, to, just to get by. If you don't want somebody spitting in your food, I'm just saying, <gasps> like not tipping 
uh, at all on a delivery order. I'm just saying, being real here, yeah, or doing something to your order. It's just, uh, it's not wise. If you have enough money to order from these expensive companies, uh, don't go cheap there. I'm just saying. I bought it. My my son is the opposite. I bought a salad yesterday from this place called What a Chicken in Petaluma, and I sent him. Even the in. salads are marketed with a chicken in Petaluma. What a Funny. chicken! I sent him in with my credit card, and I said, "Okay, well, that, that was your you, first you mistake." It? Well, because <laughs> I'm trying to make foster independence. Like him, here, take he my credit card. In, be independent. Go he buys something. <laughs> I gave him specific instructions. I said, "I want okay. this salad," and you go in and you say, "Thank you very much," and you pay. Well, he, I'm waiting right, and I can kind of see what's going on in the store and see he's a very he's a chatter. He likes to talk to people, so he goes in. And I see him talking to this guy and the guy comes out of the store and he stops at my car window and he goes, your son is so nice. He just offered to pay for my drinks. And I'm thinking, well, that's great. But why is he offering to pay for people's <laughs> stuff? Uh-oh. Hey, so the I'm rounds on me. I got my mom's credit card. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, this was a big mistake. So he comes out and I said, what in the world are you doing in there offering to pay for people's stuff? Like, we're, we're not rolling in. Are we the Bank of Marin? We're not rolling in dough. He goes, well i saw the man digging in his pockets and he didn't seem to have his wallet and i wanted to help and he ordered a drink so i thought i could help him out and i was like how can you be mad at a kid for that that was really sweet yeah so, now you have I to did... rain, him in. rain him in you're like uh i, I appreciate no. the sentiment now we're gonna rein you in <laughs> exactly but no, i did no. get the salad he did get a little independence out of it out of it so anyway well it's good and that he... you're doing oh. that because my parents did not do that and i was yeah. terrified of interacting no. um like my my eventually my yeah. dad would say like just go inside and get blah blah, blah. And, I, and by that point i was like we were not socialized as children and yeah. i was terrified you know, terrifying. I had a cousin who couldn't order at a restaurant and look the the person in the eye, look the waiter in the eye, couldn't do it. Yeah. And so I don't want my kids to be like that. I want them to go out into the world with confidence, which is yeah, why I was I'll... super shy. Yeah. Super shy. I mean, I was, you're I confident like... now, though. You overcame mm -hmm. it. Um, it was being thrown into the fire at McDonald's working the drive through. It oh, kind of forced mm -hmm. me to become social. Yeah. Um, and uh, that was it. Game over. So I said, leave a $3 tip <laughs> to Jacob. And I come back. He comes back out. And after we discuss him trying to pay for everyone else's items, he's, I said, so how much of a tip did you leave? He said, $3.05. I said, why the five cents? He goes, because I like them. And I gave them extra. And I said, oh, wow. oh, okay. But that meant you had to do the math at the bottom. And he said, no, they didn't make me do the math. I said, okay. So $3.05. Yeah. On a $10 yeah, a lot of people salad, worry about doing okay? the math when they're drunk. Yeah. You know, they're out in the closing. And I'm like, you don't have to do the math. The bartender will do the math for you because they're oh, usually I didn't know sober. That. Okay. No, I'm just saying, like, if you're struggling, if you just put how much you want to tip, they'll add <laughs> it. Struggling. What they're doing, you actually don't have to do them. I guess technically you could challenge it because, you know, they have yeah. to have the slip with the signature and all the numbers. But if you sure. just put how much the tip is, they're punching it into the register and the register is going to automatically add it. We got a anyway. tip. I'm so excited. Beth, you're so nice. Another great week from uh, from you two. Thank you, Beth. Oh, thank you. That's so nice. 1999 from Beth Farmer. So appreciate you. Really, thank really you, nice. Beth. Beth and Ivan and Doug, you guys, really, really nice. So thank you very much for that. Okay. So the moral of the story is be a good tipper, right? Yeah. Or just don't yes. tip zero. It's my, I mean, that's the starting place. Starting point. I am so excited about this next story you and i this is kind of one um, uh, thing that we we watch together it's our show yeah. it's our like we watch it sometimes we're on the phone sometimes we just text each other during it 
and you are so funny during the show, your commentary. I've been waiting because they did this thing where they split the season up. So we're talking about Yellowstone. Yeah, Yellowstone. Sorry, they gave us eight episodes, right? Seven or eight episodes. And then they said, in the middle of summer, but then we had actor strikes and writer strikes, you'll get the second set of episodes. Well, now Yellowstone is setting the second half of its final season for 2024. They have also announced spinoffs 1944 and 2024. This is funny because you have difficulty remembering the name of uh, 1923. So now they've added two more. So now there's four spinoffs with different years as uh, I'll never remember. Like, I'll never remember. 1923, 1944, and 2024. Couldn't they have kept it in the threes? Because I might have had some luck remembering a three spinoffs on the threes yeah no no the second half of yellowstone's fifth season which will conclude the family saga that started it all is set to premiere november of 2024 and you're just and waiting for beth to come back i'm daughter. waiting for beth to come back and start come out swinging that's right yeah. after people are already morning my lunch that alcohol is involved <laughs> The people are already sad that the Kevin Costner series Yellowstone is going away. So Paramount has also revealed plans for two more spinoffs to expand the franchise. We get a present day story with the working title of 2024, picking up after the events of Yellowstone have concluded. And then a prequel, 1944, will follow in the footsteps of the previous spinoffs by jumping into the past to recount the dramatic lives of an earlier Dutton family generation. Grant in Bee Cave, Texas. Hey, it's my cousin Grant. That's so nice. Your cousin just dropped you a five. That is so nice. And thank you for the honey. Oh, honey, honey. From Bee Cave, Texas. You're such a honey, Grant. And his lovely family. And look at the cute picture. Look at how cute they are. One, two, three children. Oh, they're beautiful. And there's a new one on the way. Oh, congratulations, The 2024 model. The 2024 spinoff is what we're doing in Bee Cave, Texas. So awesome. Um, So yes, so thank you, Grant and Bee Cave. And thank you to everyone contributing to the show. So we are excited about Yellowstone being, um, being... coming back on and then we get the new shows coming on yeah i don't know it's the little things in life sometimes you we've got wars and we've got all the yeah. bad stories it's an over-the-top show but the um the acting is funny i find yeah. it funny entertaining yeah it's so outrageous dramatic funny. and yeah funny. Mm-hmm. it's yeah um are you ready for a weird story take me to the weird this is a weird story that of course involves ai how is better it better blends how does it involve ai so this is an uh, AI smoothie shop that opened in San Francisco with a lot of what? hype. And oh. guess what? It's already closed. What happened? Wait a minute. It seemed like it looked it, clean. It looked fresh. What? What's the problem? Better Blends promised to invest in the city's beleaguered downtown, but closed its doors within two months. Uh, in September, a bespoke AI nutrition store opened in beleaguered downtown San Francisco to much fanfare, promising smoothie, smoothie concoctions generated by AI and a much-needed boost to the area. So basically, the AI would take uh, the uh, customer's preferences, right? Okay. Uh, mush them all together and figure out the best recipe and then hand the recipe over to uh, the the uh, actual real human beings, right, who put to, the drinks to together. To make the thing, okay. Yeah. So you would say, oh, I like coconut and pineapple and right. mango, and I also like uh, tequila and rum. No, wait, I like... Apples. <laughs> okay. And then the AI would be like, oh, you'll like this. 
But now the storefront sits empty. On a Friday, October 20th, the, the locked doors featured a sign that said temporary, temporarily closed and stated that they would reopen in an hour. But sources in the neighborhood said the storefront has been closed for more than three weeks. Uh, by the following Monday, the sign had been removed. The inside of the shop was uh, largely cleared of blenders, fruit, vegetables, and other supplies, <laughs> anything that might be used to make a smoothie with or nope. without AI. Only a trash can... Um, some trash cans, recycling bins remained. The store's uh, Google Maps listing speaks to both problems in the physical world and its roots in AI. Yeah. Now, get this. A Google Maps review posted by two weeks ago, accompanied by a picture of the sign, says, I was hopeful for this business. The owners, however, did not understand the discipline to run a restaurant. It was op often open late and closed early. They changed their hours mm -hmm. after a week of being open. And yeah. then one day they put up a sign saying temporarily closed, be back in an hour, and they never came back. <laughs> They're like, this is dumb. We don't want to be here either. There's something you have to keep in mind when you open a business. You have to you have to be consistent about your hours. It's like when you have a show, you want the time of the show to be consistent at 105. The I'm shop owners it. themselves uploaded <laughs> pictures of their smoothies to the Google Maps. Now get this. So the shop owners themselves uploaded photos. But the problem see if you see a problem with these photos. See anything weird? The light on their smiling faces is soft and glossy like a photo shoot right right it doesn't really look like it was taken outside the fruits in the store windows are on closer inspection just like blobs like plastic colored was blobs it, when an, you zoom was it in. an ai generated photo? yeah they're not real yeah. fruit the clear uh, plastic cups are branded with gibberish characters that you can't really make it out here but that don't really spell anything and they're filled with lumpy smoothie-ish mixtures and they're they have cartoonishly large they look cartoonishly large in the customer's hands, one of which has only three too long fingers. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so the fingers are all messed up. And if you look at them closely, they're kind of alien looking. Yeah, yeah this is an AI photo. Mm -mm. So the uh, it's really creepy. So the, the one with three fingers, it's, it's his left hand. So the one on the far right, there's a thumb and there's only three fingers there. I think AI jacked that one up. Nope. Yeah, mm -mm. Uh, but this is a pretty crazy story. Um, yeah, so these people obviously didn't really understand how to run a business. And how you know, much money do you have to put in to open a business, right? You, a you're, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of startup costs. Um, there, the company crazy. and the co founders did not respond to repeated requests for comments. Well, because they'll be back, they'll be back in an hour. Um, but yeah, that's a it's pretty crazy story, right? We have to thank Joy, who Joy. Um, popped us a $10 super sticker. Oh, my God, John, she says. We weren't socialized either. Yeah. Thank you. And all hail. Oh, Kim's voice. Thank you. You're so nice. And thank you for the $10 contribution to the After Party Live. Kim's so voice nice is pretty of you. cool, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Joy. Thanks for hanging out with us this afternoon as well. This next story, I must have texted it to everyone I know. I don't know why, but I'm so excited to find out more about starfish. Honestly, so cool. This story talks a little bit about what starfish are and why they don't really have a body. Like, is it a head? Is it a torso? Are these legs? Like, what are we looking at here? It turns out that a starfish is a floating head on little legs. It doesn't have a torso. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. A starfish has five identical arms with a layer of tube feet beneath that can help the marine creature move along the seafloor, causing naturalists to puzzle over whether sea stars have defined front and back ends, and if they have heads at all. 
But new genetic research suggests the opposite. The sea stars are largely heads that lack torsos or tails and likely lost those features evolutionarily over time. The researchers, or buffins, say the bizarre, bizarre that's my new favorite word, the bizarre mm-hmm. fossils of sea star ancestors, which appear to have a kind of torso, make a lot more sense in evolutionary terms in light of the new findings. The findings published in the journal Nature this week, and the quote is, it's as if the sea star is completely missing a trunk and is best described as a head crawling along the sea floor. This is from Laurent Formery, or Laurent, uh, a postdoctoral scholar mm-hmm. at Stanford University and the UC of, uh, University of California at Berkeley. He said it's not at all what scientists have assumed about these animals, that we only know this because of new methods of genetic sequencing. And that is helping answer some of the biggest remaining questions about echinoderms, including their shared ancestry with humans and other animals that look absolutely nothing like them. Cool pictures. Wow. Well, I wasn't creeped out by starfish before, but now I am. So thank you, Kim. Floating heads with little tube feet. Floating heads in the ocean. Are you going to look at them differently now? Completely differently, right? Now they're just heads floating around. It's a little disturbing. I love that story so much. And we have to take a moment uh, to say, I thought I saw, yeah, Harry popping in. My wife claims I'm still not socialized. (laughs) Harry with $5. I think you're very socialized, Harry. I'm not saying I'm completely socialized. I have plenty of antisocial behavior. (laughs) And then Pinky with a $5 super sticker. Oh, what am I reading in book club currently? I love the show. I have a book club with my mom, my sister, and two of my best friends. And what we're reading now is, oh my God. Okay, I'll look it up while John does the next story and then I'll tell you. I You're forgot. really into this book. Well, apparently. no, I haven't started it yet and oh. I, I have to buy it. But the it, the next one, it's, I know that the audiobook is read by Meryl Streep and I've never done audiobooks before because I kind of like to read and use my own imagination, but Meryl Streep like is doing cheating? it. So I might, I, it is cheating a little bit, but I might have to to listen to that. So it is called, what is it? It is Tom Lake. Tom Lake is the name of the book. It's a Reese's Book Club pick. It's by Anne Patchett, P-A-T-C-H-E-T-T. I think I've read one of her books before. Tom Lake, a novel by Anne Patchett. So that's the new book club book for November. Yeah. You're like uh, Oprah. <laughs> no. Do you have your favorite things? Not... Are, you, are you putting I, together a list? Oprah's a huge talent. I'm Oprah's here. I'm like... But you I'm, have that I'm really the nice voice. In that last story, it sounded like you were telling a a, a bedside story about starfish. about the starfish. I'm Turn the so page. into that story. Turn the page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we were Thanks talking about the, the question, disturbing. Pinky, and thank you for yeah, the five dollars sticker. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the disturbing floating heads. Here's another disturbing story: the pandemic. Ooh. Oh yeah. The COVID COVID pandemic had lasting impact on brain health of of people aged 50 or over. A a UK study finds cognitive function and working memory in older adults declined even if they were not infected with the virus. What happened? The pandemic has uh, caused sustained harm to the brain health of people 50 or over, rapidly speeding up cognitive decline regardless of whether or not they uh, caught COVID, according to researchers. Almost 780 million people were killed or made ill by the coronavirus, according to the WHO. Now health experts are learning more about the indirect effects of the crisis. A study has found that cognitive function and working memory in older adults declined uh, 
quickly, more quickly during the first year of the pandemic. So this is between March 2020 and February, February, February 2021. <laughs> even if they were not infected, the trend continued into 2021, 2022, suggesting an impact beyond the initial lockdowns. Mm. The research is the largest of its kind to look at a link uh, to the pandemic conditions and the enormous lifestyle shifts. I think that's what's going on here. Triggered by lockdowns yeah. and other COVID restrictions. I know it's been tough for my mom because my mom, you know, is older and we were kind of like wrapping her in bubble wrap and mm -hmm. and uh, she didn't get to go out and socialize. She no longer volunteering at the hospital. Right. Yeah. And I think that's had an impact on her, uh, her sure. well-being overall. The acceleration in cognitive decline has been exacerbated by a number of factors. Um, the, these included an increase in loneliness and depression, a fall in what exercise. What kind of party is this? <laughs> and higher alcohol <laughs> and higher alcohol consumption well there's as well a party. as okay. yeah willing to bet alcohol is involved as well as the effects of the disease itself so the study led by the university of exeter and king's college in london uh was published in the lancet healthy longevity journal which i know that you're subscribed to oh, yeah. um they have a professor here in dementia research says our findings suggest that lockdowns and other restrictions we experienced during the pandemic have had a real lasting impact on people 50 and over and uh, this raises the important question of whether people are at a potentially higher risk of cognitive decline, which can lead to dementia. Mm. So um, they're saying that the findings highlight the need for policymakers to consider the wider health impacts of restrictions, you know, like lockdowns when planning for future yeah. pandemic responses. So yeah, something, another thing to put in your, uh, your on your list of study results. Great. Um, I saw Square saying brain fog is real. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, they have, they got COVID and they, they still have, trouble you know being quick with the brain so yeah it's it's true and then the isolation as well yeah brain fog is real it isn't fun he says mm. um let's go now to something that's also not very fun Maybe this is disturbing oogie a little bit poop transplants now oh. these can be oh, do i want to look at your poop molecules going through <laughs> your poop intestines <sighs> okay so uh, fecal microbiota transplants apparently safe and they're effective in stopping the growth of antibiotic resistant bacteria. This is the study. People are back. A small study oh, published. I thought maybe today. you learned about this at CBS while you were in line. No, no I didn't. Uh, yes. Science translational medicine. <laughs> I was looking at the multivitamins for my hair. Yeah. If additional clinic trial clinical trials prove to be successful. Poop transplants could be a promising method in populations at risk of resistant infections, like patients who get organ transplants. So we know they do sometimes poop transplants help people that have um, issues with their gut health, their gastrointestinal health anyway, like uh, Crohn's disease, that type of right. thing. But now they're saying that people who get organ transplants, people who may be resistant to antibiotics for other reasons might be helped by poop transplants as well. What I want to know is the people with the healthy poop, are they going to, is it going to be like, you know, when you, you donate blood, you get, you, some people get paid to donate blood, or yeah. I think you get, get paid to donate sperm as well. Are they going to donate people or pay people to donate their healthy poop? Well, you got plenty of it. <laughs> I see a I see a billion trillion dollar business. It's a never ending supply. You're quickly. Full I of need it. ten cc's of poop. Yeah. Um, once a patient is infected with antibiotic antibiotic resistant bacteria, there's not really a way to get rid of colonization. There are no FDA approved therapies. 
And so it's a vicious cycle with superbugs. The idea is to use poop transplants to defeat superbugs. It's a, I guess it came after this idea that showed that a germ patients get in the hospital called C. difficile infections. Mm -hmm. If you got a poop transplant, it looked as if you had fewer chances of catching that in the hospital. So that's how they're doing it. Chris says, used to get that for free in 19th century water. (laughs) Yeah, but maybe not all the healthy poop, right? I don't know. It's I mean, if you knew that you could you could get out of getting some horrible infection, would you take a pill filled with someone else's fecal well, Nick bacteria? Well, says I know someone who had to have their kids take poop pills. Oh, oh really? Gross. Harry I wants mean, to know if you pay for so poop gross. by the pound. Right. If if you're full of it, cases, then you could be making a mint. If you're no full offense, of it, Harry. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm full of it sometimes. I get it. Whatever. No, but yeah. So that's cool. That's interesting that a child had to take a poop pill. Whatever works is what, you know, if it keeps you healthy and it it makes things better and you don't have to have surgery and you don't have to take medication and that's all it takes, eat the poop pill. Uh, speaking of colonization, uh, mm. are you familiar with NASA's Lucy spacecraft? No. So Lucy, you know, we have all these spacecraft that go out to take photos and, you know, send them yeah. home. Well, Lucy has uh, phoned home after the oh, first high-speed asteroid encounter a uh, spacecraft exploring an asteroid belt successfully phoned home to nasa Mm -hmm. after this high-speed encounter on wednesday the spacecraft named lucy has a primary mission of exploring jupiter's trojan asteroids a series of asteroids trapped in the gas giant's orbit the new high-speed encounter was with a small main belt asteroid that nasa calls dinkanesh which is 10 to 100 times smaller than the Trojan asteroids. The flyby served as an in-flight test of Lucy's terminal tracking system, right? So I guess so to be able to track it and be able to you know, take photos and lock mm-hmm. into it, right? So th- this is the photo um, Ooh, that Lucy cool. sent back. Um, based on the information sent to NASA when Lucy phoned home, the spacecraft is considered to be in good health and has been commanded to start relaying data obtained during the encounter to researchers. This process will take about a week. NASA says in their uh, news release, and we'll show how Lucy has performed uh, performed during this encounter. Um, it's pretty cool. It almost and, looks uh, fake. I could see people saying, oh, that's NASA trying to dupe us again, because it does look like, you know, a model maybe in a, a Star Wars movie. Yeah, like, we're oh, spending billions of, of dollars just to, to create fake pictures of asteroids. Mm, it's <laughs> really? cool. That's a cool picture. <laughs> Uh, they're saying that the spacecraft likely passed the asteroid at about 10,000 miles per hour. Wow. So kind of like yeah, you're driving. What? Thanks. Nick says it's a duo. <laughs> you? I'm going to. Why I oughta. Uh, why I yeah. oughta. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have time for more? Yeah. Okay. Speaking of science and um, cool stuff. There are blobs near the Earth's core. We always have remnants time for blobs. of a collision with another planet. Wow, now we're getting we spacey. Oh, there's the collision. Look at whammo. Mysterious blobs that lurk more than a thousand miles underground may be remnants of a Mars-sized planet which slammed into Earth in the early solar system and produced a shower of debris that formed the moon. This is according to researchers, the boffers, boffins, they say, leading the theory. That's a different group. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. Oh, they're the boffins, not the boffers. The boffers are up at the International Space Station doing God knows what. Right, and the boffies. Um, These scientists say the leading theory is that the moon was created about 4.5 billion years ago when an ancient protoplanet named Thea, they've named her, 
thumped into the fledgling Earth. At the time, our home planet was still an infant and only about 85% of the size that it is today. The theoretical conclusion would have melted much of Earth and Thea, which reformed as a new, bulkier Earth. Meanwhile, vast amounts of dust and rock were blasted into orbit where they came together to create the moon. While many scientists find the giant impact scenario compelling, the search has continued for evidence to support this theory. With this in mind, an international team of researchers turned their attention to two continent-sized blobs buried deep inside the Earth's mantle, far beneath Africa and the Pacific Ocean. These blobs are known as low-velocity provinces. They were originally discovered by seismologists. Their origins have never been clear. Look how science all smash it with your iron protoplanet, says Heather. The researchers say uh, that they use computer simulations of the giant impact and the convection currents inside the Earth to explore how the cataclysmic event might have unfolded, would have melted the upper half of the Earth's mantle, allowing a hefty chunk of Thea, perhaps 10% of it, to penetrate further into the planet and gradually sink toward the Earth's core. And over the next 4.5 billion years, that rock from Thea could have moved around due to convection inside the Earth and ultimately formed the blobs present. Today, those blobs are thought to be slightly denser than the surrounding mantle rock and are near the boundary with the Earth's core about 1,800 miles down. So, Get, gather around, children, while we Kim extols some. the virtues of the blob. <laughs> That's right. I have the perfect story to end with. Okay. Get this. This is a, this is a story from an airport. Wait for me. An arrogant passenger runs onto the tarmac demanding to be let onto a plane after showing up late, forcing the pilot to kill the engine. Mm -mm. Uh, Shocking footage shows the passenger sprinting towards the aircraft and shouting up at the pilot before she was arrested on Wednesday. Uh, this is bus. pretty crazy. No. Uh, yeah. The arrogant woman allegedly pushed past airport security to get out onto the runway before running under the nose of the plane. I need. I think they need to um, look at their uh, policies and procedures uh, in terms of security. If you could just push past security, right? Yeah. Onlookers watched on in disbelief as she seemed to shout up at the pilot to let her onto the flight. How did this she even a, get onto the tarmac? That's so a usually good question. they stop you at the gate and say, yeah, I'm sorry, well, ma'am. They're that saying you, that she pushed the, past security. So obviously they need to beef up their security. And this is in um, Canberra wow. uh, in Australia. So this is the, this is the capital of Australia. No. And uh, that seems like a, a, a security, security uh, nightmare breach, yeah. uh, in terms of the possibility of, uh, you know, terrorism. But Did they let the pilot... her on the plane? Tell me no. <laughs> like, it's like a muni bus not letting you on. No. <laughs> exactly. But the pilot luckily You're killed the on engine. The, door. Uh, the pilot killed the engine just in time before anyone could get hurt. The woman turns and runs away from the jet after it becomes apparent that she won't be let on the flight. Good. <laughs> uh, this one guy filmed it and uh, he told Nine News people were a bit flat-footed. They didn't seem to know what to do which was the weird part. We were all thinking, is anyone going to stop her? Another shocked witness says, she's trying to yell at the pilot. She's trying to get his attention and jump up. It's so bizarre. Um, A lady who has missed her flight clearly thought she could still catch it. The the guy posted on social media. She pushed pushed past the staff at the door, ran down the tarmac, and ran up to the plane. Um, This is pretty crazy. 
I can't even believe it. The audacity of some people to think that somehow their time is more important than everyone else's. Said as someone who's chronically late, right? But if you're <laughs> late, then you take your lumps, you apologize, you know, you you suffer through whatever you've missed, whether the class door is locked or whether you get the speeding ticket on the way to work or whatever it is. If you're late, it's your own fault. You don't try to stop the whole plane and get on it. What's funny is here is they're saying it's happened. Uh, uh, it happened uh, on a Ryanair flight, or you know, before a Ryanair flight took off at yeah. Madrid Airport. Somebody, some guy, did the same thing. A man passed. Uh, he ran past other planes on the runway carrying two pieces of hand luggage in a desperate attempt to board the flight. He uh, surprisingly was able to board the plane. What? What? You can't be uh, rewarded for that. He kind was, of however, slapped no. with a heavy fine as a result. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it was a smaller plane. I, I, I can't imagine why they do that. Five years ago, another passenger ran onto the tarmac in an Australian airport. Australia, come on. Uh, but the result was somewhat scarier as the man tried to smash his way onto the wrong plane. Smash, smash it. it. The fuming traveler charged <laughs> up the outdoor steps leading to the parked plane. So these are like the planes that are, you know, they that they have their own separate staircase uh -huh. know, up to the plane. Um, man. Pretty, pretty, uh, uh, pretty insane, don't you think? Well, uh, rude. And we will always let you on our super plane here on the After Party Live. We have so many people to thank. I'll run through them again. Uh, this is Doug with a $5 super sticker. Ivan with a $5 super sticker as well. Beth with $20. Grant in BK, Texas. Yeah. Congratulations on the new edition and $5. And Joy with $10. So thankful. Also, Harry with a 5 and we have Pinky with a five. So grateful to all of you for contributing to the show. And thank you to the people that are um, supporting us long-term every month as well. Including right? Pamela Kay and Vincent yeah. V. We thank you all. Have a great afternoon. Yeah, Kim and have a really good weekend, everybody. Thanks for being here. It's the After Party Live. We'll see you Monday afternoon. Out of time. Bye-bye.